to take your Bibles together with me this morning. We're going to be looking in the book of Hebrews and chapter number 13. Hebrews chapter number 13. And I'm going to begin by just reading one single verse from this chapter. So if you bow with me, we'll ask the Lord, or we'll thank Him for blessing that verse as we consider it today, because the Bible says that He always does. He uses the word to accomplish His purpose. Father, we praise You and thank You once again for this opportunity of being here, but especially for this opportunity we have to consider this verse and to think about it in relationship to the future, that time which is ahead of us. We thank you for the verse. We thank you for what it teaches us. And we thank you for the confidence and trust and faith that we can have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Verse number 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Well, good. I got an amen just from reading that verse. Isn't that good? That's, that's a good way to get started, isn't it? Well, I was um, talking with my brother Randall last week, and he was sharing with me something that he had found on YouTube that he thought was really great. And in that presentation, this verse was just mentioned, and I shared with my brother, I think I found a text to use on New Year's Day, on New Year's Day. And so this is the text that I believe that the Lord had led me to share with you. Now, it's a special text in that it teaches us about uh, the fact that the Lord never changes. That He's always been the same. He is the same as He has always been. And He will always be as He has always been. He is eternal. He doesn't change. He doesn't need to change. You can't do anything to perfection. You, you could not improve him. He could not improve himself because he is God. Now there are several passage, verses of Scripture, two or three rather, that I, I just want to read to you as we begin our study this morning. You don't have to turn to these. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. Here's what it says in Psalms 102.27. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. Talking about the Lord. In Malachi chapter 3, and in verse 6, I am the Lord, I change not, and therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. And then in the first chapter of Hebrews, it says this, in verse 12, And as a vesture thou shalt fold them up, and they shall... Be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. 
And then in James chapter 1, in verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So I want to share with you this morning the fact that our Lord is going to always be the same, that He's never going to change. Now the reason I uh, felt impressed to share this word with you is that, you know, when the new year comes around and, you know, you hear people talking about making resolutions and uh, uh, changing and everything. I told somebody this morning, I hadn't made any. I couldn't remember when the last time. I don't think I have ever on New Year's made a resolution. And I jokingly said to them, every day of my life I'm always doing the best I know how. <laughs> and I really do try, really try hard. Of course, I probably need to find somebody to teach me how to do better. But anyway, people do. They make resolutions. And when we start a new year, uh, people doing that uh, look at this as an opportunity to do better, to improve themselves or whatever as far as the future is concerned. And we ought to always have that attitude about that. But there's one thing about our life and our experience here on this earth is that everything is always changing. You see, the Scripture is telling us that our Lord is immutable. That is the doctrinal term for that, and it means that He never changes. He's always the same. But we live in a world, and we exist in a world, where everything is changing. And you hear people say, nothing ever remains the same. And that's true. Nothing ever remains the same. It is always changing. And I think as we get older and have more experience in life, we notice that maybe more than when we was younger. I guess when I was younger, I never even gave any consideration to that at all. It just wasn't something I thought about. But the older I get, the more, the more I think about that, because the older I get, the more change that I witness. And it's true in our world that we live in. You know, I would love to have held on to my five grandchildren and kept them nice and little and sweet. Of course, they're still sweet, I think. I'm prejudiced, of course. But, but you, you know, I, I, I just cannot believe, I can't believe how much that they've changed. They just keep changing and changing. And they grow up and, uh, uh, you know, even my two children, I have a boy that's 50 years old. I know I don't look like I'm old enough to have a 50-year-old, but I do. I have a 50-year-old. So everything in our life is always changing. Now, some, a lot of it is for the good, of course. Uh, you know, as I've shared uh, with you before, uh, I, I had the privilege of growing up in my younger years uh, just in sheer poverty, I guess, some might uh, fig figure it that way. Of course, I never did think that. I thought that I was uh, blessed by, you know, everything. And But in my younger years, I, I was, uh, it was uh, really, and I'm not going to get into telling any of those experiences, but 
for about the first five years or so of my education, I walked to school every day, two miles by the way, uphill there and uphill back. No, I'm just kidding. My boys, they tease me about that. But I really did. I walked to my, my first day of school when I was six years old. My mother sent me down the road all by myself. I never will forget that day because I kept looking back. You could go a little over a quarter mile from our house and I could still look back and see she was still standing in the road and she'd wave at me all, all the way till I got out of sight. Now, I went to school and I went to a school where there was no running water in that school. There was no bathroom in that school. We took our lunch in a little paper bag or whatever. And I mean, my younger years, and, and I tell you what, I really didn't realize what was going on in the rest of the world. I was shocked when I found out. <laughs> you know, but uh, I've seen a lot of change. And a lot of that change is good. A lot of it is good. And you might think this is a silly thing uh, for me to say, but sometimes when I go to the bathroom at home, I think about that. I think about that. The bathroom, you know, because I went so many years, I never lived in a house that had running water and had a bathroom. You say, well, what'd you have? An outside toilet. That's what I had. And so, but I want to tell you all this morning, I've shared this with you before, I'm thankful for the way I was raised. The way I was raised, it made me thankful for every little thing in my life. And so I've seen a lot of change. A lot of change that's good. A lot of the change I can't imagine uh, that. And, and I've lived long enough to uh, uh, know that there was a time when I didn't even know what a computer was. And I don't know where Greg got it, but he was just a little boy and he come in with, I think it was a Commodore 64 is what it was. He traded around or somehow and got that. I don't know if you, if you can remember that or not, but it just wasn't, it wasn't no computer compared with uh, what we have today. And uh, I, I, I even remember this, uh, that the church bought me for Christmas a computer back several years ago. Some of you may remember that. I didn't own one at all. And so I brought it home and I followed those instructions and set it up and I hooked it up and everything. And I, I called Greg and told him he was going to have to help me with it. And he came down and he said, Dad, have you started it? And I said, no, I was afraid to. I didn't know what that thing might do. <laughs> but I've seen a lot of change. A lot of it is good. But I want to tell you too, I've seen a lot of change that's not good. And I share it with you all quite often. That there's change that I, it just grieves my soul. That I've seen in our country and in our society. I've, I've watched it. And uh, it makes me so uneasy. And I'm really concerned about our young people in our church. I'm concerned about what kind of world that they're going to experience when they grow up and they become adults. I'm concerned that there might even be anything for them to enjoy one day if something doesn't change. And you all share with me all the time, preacher, I'm praying for revival in America. Well, I am too. I'm praying for that. And uh, I've studied the great revivals that have happened in history. 
And I know that it can happen. I know there can be a turnaround. But there, the times are uncertain. The future is uncertain. Now we're aware, I know, of what the Bible teaches. I'll, I'll just read this passage of Scripture. It's in the book of James. It's over a page or two from our text. And here's what it says. It's in the fourth chapter and verse 14 and verse 15. And here's what it says. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. Now, you know that's true. There's nobody, I tell you what, I'm preaching to a lot of smart people and I thank God for you. You're smart, conscientious as a Christian, but I want to tell you what you do not know. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. You have, you do not know that. And so, I don't know that. I don't know what the future is going to bring. And it goes on to say, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth a little time, for a little time, and then vanishes away. For that we ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Now that's just one passage of Scripture. You all are familiar with the fact that there are other texts that say a lot of the same thing. Our future is uncertain. 2023 is uncertain. We do not know what might happen in this coming year. So we live in a fallen world. We live in a world... And the Bible actually says, you know the Bible says that uh, evil will get worse and worse as time goes on. As a matter of fact, it's in the book of 2 Timothy and it's in chapter number 3. And I'll read some of these things that are found here in this chapter. Uh, and I want to say by sharing this passage of Scripture with you that the future could be really, really bad. I don't mean to be pessimistic or I don't mean to be negative. You all know that I'm a positive person and I'm an optimistic person. But I want sometimes reality will serve its purpose. And the Bible says this. As a matter of fact, in chapter number 3, and I'll share with you some statements that are made there, but they follow a text that I emphasize occasionally about in the life and experience of the unsaved, did you know that the devil can take over and control that person any way he wants to? The Bible says that. Uh, I, I'll read these verses that go before some of the things I'm going to share with you. And I know I do this quite often. You might say, Preacher, you wear some of these texts out. Well, I'm going to keep on doing it. And it says this, in verse 24 of the second chapter, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. That's talking about me. I pray the Lord help me. I hope I am gentle to all men. I do try. And apt to teach and patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. You do know people could do that? They sure can. If God preventure will give them repentance. I didn't know that come from God. It sure does. The Bible says repentance and faith are grace gifts uh, to the acknowledging of the truth. And verse 26 says this, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Folks, don't you think for one minute that the devil can't do that? Does he do it 
with everybody? Not necessarily. He does it when he chooses to do so to accomplish his will and his purpose. And I'll just be honest with you, I think Washington, D.C. is full of them that have been taken captive. I really do. I can't help it. But he goes on to say this in the first verse of chapter 3, Know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, I'm just going to share with you some statements from the next few verses. And listen to this. Perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. They shall be covetous. They shall be without natural affection. They shall be despisers of those that are good. They shall be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They'll have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. They're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We've got a world full of smart people, but we've got a world full of people who don't have no common sense, to be honest with you. And it goes on to say, uh, it goes on to say this, uh, that um, I'm looking for it. Uh, they shall be more and more deceivers, deceiving and being deceived in that passage of Scripture. And so the Bible tells us that we could have a future where it gets worse and worse and worse. And I found in the Bible that right in the very last part of time, before the Lord comes back to this earth, that it's really going to be bad. It really is. I mean, you'd be surprised at some of the things that are brought out in the Scriptures. So, we live in uncertain times. We live in a time where the future we don't know. We simply do not know. But I tell you what, Christians who are conscientious ought to be really, really bothered by some of the things that are going on in our country and in our culture. We ought to really be bothered. Now, you all know that just in the last week or so, there was an omnibus bill passed by Congress. It was a spending bill for the new year, for the brand new year. And uh, we know they didn't read it. 4,000 pages, they didn't read it. Isn't that awful? That somewhere in a back room, that some people that are not elected make it all up, and then Congress just passes it, And I understand that in the House, uh, half of the members of the House wasn't even present because of the holidays. They'd already flown the coop, taken off and everything. You say, well, preacher, do you know what was in it? Well, sadly, I do. I know what a lot of was in it, was in that bill, in that bill, in that spending bill. I'll just share a little bit with you, and I want to say this before I share these things. I want you to know that I have compassion and I care about people who are involved in a lifestyle that is contrary to what is taught in the Bible. I really do. I don't hate anybody. I don't, I'm not prejudiced against anyone. But that doesn't mean that I have to like their lifestyle. I don't have to like the way they live their life. But I want you to know, you, you, you just, this, this ought to bother This ought to bother anybody, whether they're saved or whether they're not, that in our culture, in our world today, these things could be true. This was a Fox News headline that I found 
The omnibus bill earmarks $750,000 for transgender groups that want to inject LGBTQ discourse in elementary schools. Did you know that your, your Congress had approved that? Do we approve it? Why no, we don't. If we love the Lord and we love His Word and we love truth, we don't approve of that. But it just illustrates to you this morning the degrading direction of our world that we live in. I got this article from uh, the California Family Council. All, all ast an astounding... Now listen to this. $11 million will be spent on LGBT-themed special interest project. $11 million. Whose money is that? It's mine. And it's yours. Will be spent. That just passed right on through there. And uh, including, uh, it says including $1.2 million for a LGBTQIA plus XYZ. You can add it right on the end. Just put the whole uh, alphabet on A pride center in San Diego Community College. Well, if that community college wants to do that, that that's their business, but I don't necessarily want to help pay for that. You see what I'm saying? And... Uh, it goes on to say, hardworking Americans are suffering with infl inflation and economic instability while Congress uses their money for future anti-Christian agenda. I'm just telling you this morning, and you know what, if you don't understand why that's wrong, please come, I'll show you why it's wrong. I'll give you Bible passages that will show you why that is wrong. So, we live in an uncertain time, Amen. And, and it gets worse and worse. And I, as a matter of fact, I wrote down 13 things that I found in that bill. I'm not going to share you with all of it, but I will share. Uh, one, three million dollars was set aside for LGBTQ plus museum in New York City. Did you all know you'll be building a museum or help building a museum? Now, y'all looking at me real funny this morning. Like you're thinking, preacher, you know, I don't agree with you. Well, you can disagree with me if you want to. But I will tell you something. This Bible lays it down really clear. And what I'm sharing it with you for is, I want you to understand that our future in America is really uncertain. Because how much would we have to do in this country, to provoke God. Did you know that God has been provoked in the past? Get your concordance and look it up. Look it up and you'll be surprised that God was provoked. Why did the Israelites wander in the wilderness for 40 years when that trip from Egypt to the Promised Land would have taken 11 days? The answer to that is because God was provoked by their sin. And, and I want you to understand something. We serve a loving God of grace, but we also serve a God that is just.
and a God that hates sin. That's the God we serve. And that's the reason why we have our gospel. But enough of that. I've got good news for you. Now the good news I have for you is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is immutable. He does not ever change. It doesn't matter how much change comes in our world or in our personal experience. He does not change. And you can grasp on to Him, the One who is blessing with great blessings, and He'll never change. He'll never ever change. I'll just mention a couple of things that uh, I, I wrote down. He never changes in His person. He is God. He has always been God. And He always will be God. Even coming to this earth and taking upon Himself the form of a servant. And being made in the fashion of a man. And we know from the Bible why that happened. He come and He had the experience that we have. And He was, the Bible even says, in all points tempted even as we, we are. And He's our faithful Savior. And we know that He, uh, even though He did that, He still was the same. Even though He went to the cross and took upon Himself a curse for us, His attributes never changed. His purpose of grace never changed. His love for His people never changed. Even though He experienced those things when He was here on this earth, nothing ever changed. The Bible tells us about His covenant titles that He has. You say, preacher, what do you mean by covenant titles? It means this, that Jesus is prophet and priest and king. And you know, He's always been prophet, priest, and king. And He always will be prophet, priest, and king. So in that office of prophet, as the Old Testament prophets were, they were foretellers and foretellers. Not, not only did they tell truth and give truth to us, but they also told us about future events as God inspired them to do so. And so Jesus, the Bible tells us, is our prophet. And not only speaking the truth forth as He has through His Word, we know from studying the Scripture that He also was a foreteller. He told of His death and resurrection. He told of Judas's betrayal. He told about Peter's denial. He told about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He told about the persecution of His followers. He told about the destruction of the temple. And He told about the fact that He's coming again. Coming back to this earth again. That's He did in the office uh, of prophet. And so we thank God for that wonderful, those wonderful truths. But also, He was priest. And uh, as in the Old Testament, priests stood between God and man. And they offered sacrifice on behalf of the, of the people. And the Bible tells us that that priesthood is over. There is no man priest anymore. It is, it's not, oh you say, but preacher, you don't know some of the things about the way some people believe and practice. Oh yes, I do. I know all about it. But I know that Jesus, when He came, He became our high priest 
And we believe in what we call the priesthood of the believer. I don't have to go to somebody else to be the go-between between me and my Lord. I can go straight to my great high priest. I can pray to Jesus Christ myself. And so the Bible tells us that. And in this book, we have some wonderful words I'll share with you. And it's more of the Scripture passages that that I wear out sometimes, but I can't help it. I love them. And I'll keep reading them as long as God gives me the ability to read. Here's what it says in the fourth chapter of this book of Hebrews where we're studying. It says this in chapter 4, beginning of verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted uh, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Did you like that? Well, I tell you what, that is one awesome passage of Scripture. And that is an invitation to every sincere Christian uh, to come before the Lord and bring our needs before Him. Let me share with you another one right quick. In the 10th chapter of this book, in the 10th chapter and beginning in verse 19, and I love these words. Here's what it says. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know whether you think about this or not, but I do uh, really, really often when I pray that it's a privilege that I have. I have been blessed with, and the secret is by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why that every time I pray or our men pray, we pray in Jesus' name. That's the way we pray, and that's how our prayers are heard. And the Bible goes on to say in the 20th verse, By a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, listen to this, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith uh, without wavering, for He is faithful that has promised. And so Jesus is prophet, and Jesus is priest, and guess what? He will always be. He will always be. And the Bible says that He is King. There's an interesting passage that I'm going to read to you. It's found in Second Samuel in chapter 7. And it's uh, God speaking to David. And he's speaking about the fact that he's going to raise up his son, Solomon, to follow him. And this verse in the 16th verse says this, And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. That's David's throne. David's throne. You say, well, David is long gone. He's dead. But let me tell you something. That was fulfilled by Jesus Christ Himself. The Bible teaches us. And so that throne is established forever. So Jesus is the King. Listen to these words in Matthew chapter 28 
in verse 18. And God is going to give the great commission. He's going to challenge the church to take the gospel into all the world and preach it to every creature. And then it tells us that those believers were to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. It, that's the instruction that is given. But you know, before that came, here's what Jesus said. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Ain't that precious? And so He says that in Philippians chapter 2 and in verse 9 through 11. Here's what it says. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9 through 11. It says this, Wherefore God hath highly exalted Him, that's Christ, and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in the earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It says that He's Lord. Oh, you know, I mention this every once in a while. People say, I've received Christ as my Savior. Well, i got to tell you something. He's both. God has made Him both Savior and Lord. And if He's Lord, He's controlling our life is what the Bible would teach us. But not only that, we read this in the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation talking about that person on that great white horse appearing there. And in the 16th verse of that, it says this, that He is King of kings and Lord of lords. I want you to know that our Savior is King and He will always be King. That will never change. And so, prophet and priest and king. Now he is also uh, he is also immutable in in doctrine in his doctrine, and that's interesting because the the next verse after the one we read in this thirteenth chapter in verse nine it follows what they what he said he said Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever be not carried about with divers that's different kinds and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing uh, that the heart be established with grace and not with meat. That's talking about ceremonial food or ritualistic food. This is the book of Hebrews. And so that's what that means. Not with meat, uh, which have not, have not profited them that have been occupied thereby. And so the Bible, not only here, but in many places, it tells us to be careful about false doctrine. I've been sharing in the Wednesday night study a little bit about that. And uh, I was asked the question, what does it mean that Jezebel is mentioned in, the, in that church in chapter 3 of the book of Revelation? Or chapter 2, is it? I th- one of the two it is. Jezebel. We spent quite a bit of time on old Jezebel. Uh, you say, preacher, do you think there really was a person there by that name? Well, I don't necessarily believe that there was a per could have been, that's all right. But what it means is, and especially the book of Revelation, it uses titles that have deep impl- implications to them, like for example, Babylon. And I shared that with the folks and everything. But Jezebel, was she a wicked person? You're not kidding, she was wicked. 
And I shared with the folks about the fact that R.G. Lee, a preacher that's been long gone to be with the Lord, uh, I think he was a pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee for many, many years. He preached a sermon, Payday Sunday, and he used Jezebel as the foundation for that sermon. And you know, God said, told how she was going to die. And then she was thrown out the window and a dog's eat her flesh. And, uh, you know, I shared with the folks that that's what God thinks about false doctrine and false teaching. And I think far too often we don't look at false doctrine like that. I told the folks that you bring to me any false teaching that you know about and I'll show you how it diminishes the person and work of Jesus Christ. I don't care what it is. I'll show you that it does. Diminishes the person and work of Jesus Christ. Well, can you give us an illustration? Why, well, sure can. What about all the people in America today who are teaching salvation by works that you have to earn your way to heaven? It's everywhere. Amen? Everywhere. But you know what? You say, well, how does that doctrine diminish the person and work of Jesus Christ? Well, the fact of the matter is, the Bible says that we're not saved by works. We are not saved by works. And so, it diminishes the work of Christ because I'm saved today because of what He's done, not ever because of what I do. You say, but preacher, I know you want to always do the right thing. Well, it's because I am saved, not trying to get to heaven. It's because I am. And I want to tell you, that's what happens to people when they're saved. They want to live for the Lord that they love. You know that? They want to. They desire to. And the Lord has put that desire uh, in their heart. So doctrine. And uh, so you say, well, preacher, what, what is his doctrine? It's his teaching. It's, it's the Word of God. Listen to some of these verses about that. The Bible says this about the Word of God. In Psalms 119.89, Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. In Isaiah 40 and verse 8, The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the Word of God shall stand forever. Matthew 5.18, For verily I say unto you, Jesus said, Till heaven and earth shall pass, not one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till it be fulfilled. Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 25, But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So what is his doctrine? His doctrine, we find it right here in this precious book that we have. We find his doctrine. And so, it's a wonderful thing. So, that don't ever change. It'll never, did you know truth will never change? It'll always be truth. It don't matter how many people don't believe it. How many people may deny it. How many people may live contrary to its teaching. It is always truth and it's never going to change. You know, people discuss whether something is right or wrong or whatever. Well, i got news for you. Here's where you'll find whether or not it's right or whether or not it's wrong. That's where you'll find it. It's right there in the Word, and God gave it to us for that very purpose. And then I'm going to mention just one more 
thing that I think is awesome that he does, never changes, and that is his power to bring about his purpose. And I'll just share with you one verse of scripture, and it's in John, it's in chapter 17. And I, I think that this is such an awesome verse. And I would hope that you would take it home with you and you would think about it and meditate on it, what that verse says. You say, preacher, can you find truth, awesome truth, in just one, one single verse? You sure can. John 17, it's Christ's high priestly prayer. And, he lived, and He's praying, He's talking to God the Father. And this is what He said in verse 2. Now remember, the point I'm making is His power to accomplish His purpose is never going to change. He will bring about His purpose because He is the sovereign God. And here's what He said. He said in verse 2, As thou hast given Him power over all flesh. Why? What is He going to do with that? that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. You say, Preacher, what's happening in our world? I'm going to tell you what's happening in our world. In our world, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is bringing about His great plan and His great purpose. He's putting together a remnant that He is going to spend eternity with. We think about our earth spending eternity with Him, but i got to tell you something that He is going to spend eternity with. And so it says that He has power over all flesh, all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many, He said, as thou hast given Him. I tell you what, you might not have ever studied what that means. But it's in the book of John many times. What does it mean? As many as thou hast given him. In that passage that I quote to you quite often, John chapter 6 and verse 37, and Jesus said this, He said it Himself, All that the Father giveth unto me shall come unto me. Oh, but wait a minute. Preacher, don't you believe that? Don't you believe in free will? Don't you believe in the capability of just refusing and rejecting and going right on? There are so many people in this world that just don't believe in the sovereign power of God. He, Jesus said it All the Father giveth unto me, that's in the covenant of grace, shall come unto me. And all that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Aren't you thankful this morning that He's the same today, yesterday, today, and forever? And you know why that's important? I'm going to tell you why. I can trust Him fully. And I want to tell you, this is my own personal testimony. Whatever happens in this old world, I'm going to trust my Lord. And it's going to be all right. Amen? It'll be all right. And I pray that everybody has trusted Him. Put your faith and trust in Him. And if He's speaking to your heart this morning, and He's convicting you of that need, I would invite you to come and claim His
wonderful blessings that He has for you. Father, we thank You and praise You for this wonderful verse. Even though it's just so short, it means so much. And we thank You for it. And we thank You that we can start this brand new year putting our faith and trust in our Lord and Savior that never changes. What peace that brings to our heart. And we thank You for it. In Jesus' name and for His sake we pray. Amen. Now would you-